Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to Roll the Quadcast, a Blogger So Dear podcast where little old Charlie Brown is still trying to kick that football. Blogger So Dear is the go-to website for the best independent analysis of Wake Forest athletics. Welcome to another live edition of Roll the Quadcast, coming here live 6 p.m. Eastern Time, October 30th, 2017. I'm Rob Reinhardt. Riley Johnston, my wonderful co-host, will be joining me here shortly. We are having some technical difficulties, as always seems to be the case here at Roll the Quadcast. But we have an action-packed episode for you here this evening. Plenty to talk about with the Louisville game, some of the aftermath that unfortunately occurred with the injuries that, that took place on the field, though weren't known until well after the game, previewing the rest of the season, really. Also, specifically next week's game against Notre Dame, as well as uh, some basketball talk. The Wake Forest basketball team takes on uh, Queens on Friday and what will actually be uh, a very interesting matchup. So we look forward um, So we look forward to that. Here's a quick test. Riley, can you hear me? Are you able to talk now? Okay, unfortunately. <laughs> That didn't work. So I will just start talking, and <laughs> and we will go with it. So Wake Forest defeated Louisville 42-32 to 32 on Saturday afternoon. Um, really a dominant performance from the very beginning by the Demon Deacons. And I would say it was the best win of Dave Clawson's tenure during his time here at Wake Forest. I think the only other contender really – would be last year's exciting bowl victory over number 24 Temple. But I think when you when you factor in reigning Heisman Trophy winner, all of the wakey leaks nonsense that we've had to deal with over the past year, how close we've come really um, the past several years, um, as well as this goal of really taking down one of the ACC Atlantic's premier teams. Now, Florida State has certainly had their issues this year. We came up a little bit short. They weren't nearly the team they were projected to be, which was a, a top five team in the nation, but, um, and then played well, played well against Clemson. So, you know, we'll see, but we had a big time breakthrough against Louisville. I know their defense isn't as good. I know they're not as good as they have been in years past, but still, an unbelievable victory for the team, um, really flawless offensive execution um, on the part on the part of Wake Forest. John Wolford, and let me pull up the numbers here. John Wolford, who was named ACC Offensive Back of the Week, 28 for 34, 461 yards, five touchdowns, uh, and then Greg Dorch, obviously, absolutely sensational. 10 receptions for 167 yards, including four TDs, which, which was a, rake, a, a Wake Forest record. Um, sorry, trying to, trying to, talk, to talk to Riley here. Just a, a great all-around performance, and I, I thought we set the tempo from the very beginning. I thought our defense came up with a big stop there several times. Now, I thought we got away with uh, some defensive pass interference, um, early on, 
and uh, with with Henderson and, and potentially Cameron Glenn. But I thought, you know, we did what we had to do. We we allowed some yards on the first drive and, and got a stop. Um, but and I'm sorry, I'm trying to trying to do several things here at once. But but once we got the ball back inside our own 10 on that first drive, right from the very beginning, very aggressive, 47-yard pass over the top to, to Scotty Washington, six-hard receiver on about a 5'10 cornerback. We thought that was going to be an advantage for us, and, and we took advantage um, when you can. Hello, are you there? Yep, I'm here, Rob. Can you hear me? Oh, yes. Okay, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Well, glad that we got the awkwardness out of out of the way. I'm, you know, I can be awkward enough as it is. So it was hard to try and talk about the game tech and uh, try and get you in because having the difficulties with the studio and talk to you on GChat at the same time. But um, let's just talk about the beginning of the game. Yeah, I thought I thought right off the bat we kind of struck a tone and we showed Louisville that we were going to come out, we were going to throw the ball, and we were going to make them stop us, which is really what a lot of fans have been wanting to see all year um, from, from the get go. They, uh, the first play of the game, we went to Scotty Washington deep when we were pinned inside our own 10 and he ran right by uh, East. And I got to say, Scotty Washington had a fantastic game for Wake Forest. Um, and it was pretty clear that the corner he was, that was guarding him was no match for him. So um, everything else went, went well from there. And uh, I thought obviously the running game worked out well, but you, you just can't say enough about the game plan we had going in there. And I'm not really sure whether it was a combination of just wanting to take it to Louisville. Um, obviously the last year it's been, there's been a lot between Wake Forest and Louisville, but uh, much like the Florida state game, I thought Wake Forest just very much looked like the better team. And uh, that bared itself out throughout the course of the game. Um, and and Greg Dorch, obviously, we will talk a, a lot about him, and uh, obviously what what has gone into uh, yesterday and in his or as Saturday and in his injury, and where we'll go from there. But uh, he was targeted ten times, had ten catches, 167 yards, uh, and obviously the four touchdowns. And he was about a yard or two yards away from having six touchdowns. Uh, obviously, he fumbled out of the end zone. But um, all in all, I thought the game plan looked very good. The offensive line was. Uh, a stout up front. John Wolford probably had his best game at the Demon Deacon, and, and it shows what kind of talent we have when, when we really go up tempo. So uh, I give the a, uh, the offense an absolute A plus. Yeah, absolutely. I thought you know that first drive very interesting. Obviously, we went to Washington on the the forty seven yard pass from the very beginning. And one thing I thought was really interesting on on that drive, and I know Les Johns of, of Scout slash two four seven tried to ask Clawson about this in the in the presser and I'm not sure they were on the same page of, of what play they were talking about, but that, that very first offensive drive when I think there was some confusion between what the, the, you know, the yardage sticks were showing in terms of what down it was and, and on the scoreboard, but it, it was fourth down. It was fourth and 10 from probably our own 40 or, or Louisville's 40 or 45 yard line. And we just got up and we snapped the ball. There was no, no second guessing whatsoever. And, and Washington, ran a great little curl out there for 10 yards to move the chains. I thought you talk about setting the tone. Not only did we set the tone in terms of tempo and snapping with no fewer than 27 seconds left on the clock pretty much every time, but but we just got up there and we went for it. We had the confidence that we had the matchup. So I thought, you know, converting on strategically timed fourth and third downs, I thought were huge. I thought we made a number of big third down conversions 
uh, yesterday. We were eight out of 13 compared to Louisville being just six out of 16. So I thought um, that was big for us to continue those drives and, and ultimately get those touchdowns and not field goals as we had been talking about uh, last week. Yeah, I, I went back and watched the game a little bit this morning, and I, I have no idea if we knew what down it was. It seemed like the downs were a little bit off uh, all throughout the game. Um, I think on the first drive for Louisville, um, the change didn't move when they got – or the change did move when it was actually like a second and two. Um, so I'm not sure if it was actually confusing on our end or if they told us it was something different. But it was definitely fourth down, and Scotty Washington ran a great out route to the um, sideline there, and, and we got it. And, and that was a good – uh, case again of just their cornerback had just not very good situational awareness and it's kind of the the case for the defense all day for Louisville and it was obviously a combination of us just taking it to them and them not really being disciplined or knowing where to go or what the situation was but he just kept running so it was easy if it was four down or third down you know that Washington's probably going to run a route to try to get to the marker I mean he, it's not like Washington did a lot there he just turned around and stood there and Wolford threw it as soon as he did I think East was five yards downfield off of him at that point so it was an easy catch and uh, from there we just kind of rolled out obviously uh, looked very good yeah, I thought I thought we really ran absolutely everything to perfection, um, and then ultimately finished it up with with the nice zone read there from John Wolford. I thought uh, again set the tone there and and nice a nice stop by our defense on the next drive to to keep it seven to three, and then you know we came right back at them on the next drive, went up fourteen to three. Uh, and then I think on the, on the next defensive drive, I think that was arguably the biggest play of the game when Hassan Bassi, I know you were tweeting about it, made that interception in, in the yep. end zone. Um, and then we responded with, with another, another touchdown. And it, it was pretty much off to the races from there. Yeah, that was arguably the biggest play of the game. It was uh, third and one, and uh, Lamar Jackson ran out, out over there. I think it was a, maybe a type of a run-pass option. Um, but the defense shut it down. We played very well on the perimeter, as we did for most of the game. Our defensive end, um, Duke Edgerford and Wimble Dunn did a fantastic job of limiting Lamar Jackson. I, I mean, Jackson still had a hell of a game. I think, what, 21 for 192, and then you throw in his sacks there, um, but also 330 yards in the air. And he's kind of like the triple option offense. He's going to wear you down eventually, and that kind of happened at the end. But on, on that play, we covered it well. He – ran and he just tried to force something and even if Bassey hadn't intercepted it which he did a great job of getting a foot in um he, I think the receiver was blanketed I, I didn't even see the receiver in the picture um on the replay so I'm not sure if he was in the back right of the end zone but I think he was being guarded by another way player so just a fantastic job with an ill-advised throw by Jackson and that's what happens when you force a guy like Jackson to make a lot of decisions there um he's used to getting out and running around and being able to get upfield and when you take that away from him and force him to throw the ball, he's shown to be fairly mistake prone. So uh, we did a great job there. That turned it around. We went down and got up, uh, got another touchdown, and from there we just all to the races. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, I thought on thought on the next drive, we we had a nice job with with Harkeem Bird, um, and we can talk a little bit more about him later and maybe some potential injuries. But then uh, ultimately finish with surprise another Greg Dorch touchdown um yep and he had four on the day could have had six uh that's how close he was he he stumbled to the one yard line uh when Wolford finished off with his own read and then obviously the unfortunate fumble out of the back of the end zone um to start the second half but yeah I thought defense came up pretty big in in certain situations another one 
Uh, we were already up 35 to 17 there in the fourth quarter, but we got that stop on, on fourth down with about nine minutes to go. And then our, our offense was able to go on. I don't believe they scored, turn it over on downs, but about a five or six minute drive there, which, you know, that's two thirds of the remainder of the game. That that's almost as good as points at, at, at that point in time of the game. Yeah, I think that was where we handed it off to Colburn on, I believe, 10 straight plays there. And due to the injuries, I think Carney got hurt on the first play of the game and wasn't able to do anything else. Um, Bird got hurt later on in the game. Colburn, who obviously had the um, scholarship rescinded from Louisville two days before National Signing Day, uh, I believe two years ago, three years ago, um, he got the chance to kind of show Bobby Petrino and the Louisville fans what he'd be missing. And I thought it was great that there were several stories afterwards where he was yelling to the Louisville sideline, yelling gray shirt, you can't stop me. So I, I love stuff like that, especially when, uh, you know, he's obviously been wrong by Louisville, and it was good to see that pay off. And it was good. It's not good that we had injuries, but it was good that it worked out in the sense to get Colburn uh, 24 carries. And it, it, it kind of shows a lot, and we'll touch on this a little bit, but should Burn and Carney be out, um, we're, we're going to need Colburn to bear a large load. And the fact that he can go 24 rushes and I'm um, still kind of – get better as the game goes on gives a lot of uh, a lot of good things there um but i, I want to briefly touch on the Dort, the fumble at the end or the uh, first possession of the second half um obviously he they overturned it after they ruled a touchdown on the field and i i saw it three or four times and you never know what they're watching up in the booth if it's the same one that you're watching um Obviously, Dorch let go of the ball, but in my mind, it wasn't indisputable that the ball exited his hand before the front part of the ball crossed the plane of the end zone. Uh, so I thought it was pretty interesting that uh, that they overturned that. And I think if I if it had been Wake on defense, I don't think I would have expected that to be overturned. Did you see the same thing I did, or did you think it was pretty clear cut? No, I think that that's an interesting point. I thought uh, first of all, it's the dumbest rule in football that you come an inch short of a touchdown and all of a sudden it's the other team's ball um, at the 20 yard line. But, you know, I, I thought it wasn't clearly the ball ultimately slipped out of his hands, but I think you can, you can make an argument that he still had decent enough possession as the ball had crossed the, the pylon um, in the, you know, in the uh, touch touchdown line. So, yeah, I, I am a little bit surprised I was overturned. Honestly, now part of it was from where we were watching um, in the stands. I thought they were right. really just reviewing whether he was down when he was somewhat tackled, when he really landed on the Louisville defenders. But he had the, the great awareness to, to, you know, not go down, plan his, plan his hand, get up, and continue running uh, towards the end zone. Uh, but ultimately it, it was overturned. Um, which was, you know, clearly unfortunate at the time. It would have been an opportunity to to really go up on. Unfortunately, we got a stop and then scored on the next possession. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, I see why they did did overturn it, but I don't think it was it was clear cut, which is typically what you want to see um, if, if you are ultimately reversing the call on the field. Yeah, I thought whatever call, if it had been touchback originally, I think that it would have stood. Obviously, it would have stayed overturned it. But in my mind, I would have said whatever the original call was would have stood because nothing that you could see was really indisputable. But at, at the end, it didn't really matter. It was a hell of an effort by Dorch. And uh, it was a, a good heads-up play by that Louisville got to not stop the play either and run after him to force him out. Um, but I, just, I guess – Good job all around, aside from the fumble. So it, was, uh, it, it worked out for us. So I'm not going to dwell on it. 
Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely not. Um, you know, simply sensational offensive performance all around yesterday, and um, you know, putting up 42. Again, we we had talked about needing to put up those points, not settle for field goals, get touchdowns, and, and our offense deliver. That's by far the best offensive performance I've seen us have um, during during Clawson's tenure here. It's by far the best offensive performance I've seen us have. Um, maybe the entire time I've, I've been a, a wake fan, honestly, I thought it, it was interesting. John Wolford's five touchdowns tied Riley Skinner's um, five TD passes, which he did against Duke in, in his final game um, of his, of his senior year. And that was a, that was definitely a shootout game with Duke. That was potentially our best offensive performance that, since then, honestly. Yeah, I think uh, – I don't know the exact date, but I believe it was the most yards the Wake Forest had since 1968 against Carolina. Um, and he was the – Wolford became the first Demon Deacon quarterback to throw for over 400 yards since Brian Kuklet back in 1998. So it's definitely been a long time uh, since I've seen anything like that. The second time the Wake has ever gone over 600-yard mark in their school history. Um, yep, and it was the most since 1968 when we had 632 yards against Carolina. So you are indeed correct in saying that it was probably the best you've ever seen because it's been the best nearly any Wake fan has seen, quite frankly. So, um, I mean, everything really clicked on Saturday, and it was a combination of just our up-tempo defense. They had no idea how to stop it whatsoever, and they, they lacked Louisville, lacked discipline. They liked the ability to tackle. They liked the ability to get set. But everything that they were doing on defense was just rendered useless because of the up-tempo offense and really just how many times we were able to throw the ball and the line was able to spread them out. Um, we won the battle of the line of scrimmage, and that's something that we've talked about a lot um, that really I think has hurt us the most on offense is where we're just not winning the offensive line battle. And there were several times that I thought Arkeem Bird did a fantastic job of this, where he was patient behind the line, waited for something to develop, and then either went outside the uh, the line or just went up a hole in the middle. And, and I'm excited to see how how Bird develops moving forward. Um, but let's let's move on a little bit. Obviously, we talked about all the good things on offense and defense. The obvious bad thing is uh, you're now without Greg Dortch for the rest of the season, as he had a, a fairly serious injury on Saturday. Um, we believe it happened on the second or third touchdown when he dove into the pylon. I believe it's the second one. Um, and according to a tweet that his mother sent out, um, he landed on the pylon, which has a metal part of some sort, which I was not aware of. I thought it was sand, kind of filled with sand and weighted down. Um, and when he landed on that, it uh, tore his abdominal muscle and also caused some other internal injuries, which forced him into emergency surgery on Saturday night at Wake Forest. Uh, Baptist and thank goodness that they're such a good uh, hospital right around Wake Forest that he was able to get to. But, you know, that turned into a fairly uh, serious situation. And in those uh, cases, obviously football is not exactly the first thing on our mind. Uh, we wish the best to Greg Dorch and his recovery. He's doing a little bit better now, it seems. Um, but as we turn to the rest of the year, Rob, how did the expectations for the season now change without Greg Dorch as we sit at five and three and look to try to get to our second consecutive bowl game? Yeah, obviously Dorch is a unbelievable playmaker, and he's only gotten better as as the year has gone along. Has has really stepped up his game against, you know, Florida State still played very well against Clemson, Georgia Tech, obviously the Louisville game. So even though we're playing much harder competition than, than we were early on, his stats just keep getting better. And and I think we're also – so we're clearly going to miss him offensively in the slot. 
Um, and I think we're going to miss, miss his explosiveness in the punt return and the kick return game. Um, you know, Jesse Bates can go back there, though he, he had a minor knee injury, but he's more of a, of a fielder than, than just a returner. So we're going to lose some explosiveness there. I don't know if it necessarily impacts our, our game next week against Notre Dame. Obviously, it hurts a little bit, but we, we don't have the best shot to win that game anyway. Unbelievable team. Uh, the Irish are, in my opinion, and what the advanced stats break out. But in a game like Syracuse, where you're probably going to have to put up some points, I think certainly hurts not having his playmaking ability. NC State, probably another game we're going to have, have to put up some points. And then against Duke, I think we'll be pretty considerable favorites over the Duke Blue Devils. They just really struggled to score. Um, but, again, anytime you're taking out a playmaker, and one thing we've really tried to thrive on you know, and as Clawson said, is we want to throw five-yard balls that can end up going for 20 yards, and, and that's what Greg Dorch can do. Um, so, I, you know, if you look at a number of those replays yesterday, I think his, his first touchdown of, of the second half, he made just a great spin move, and then he was just off to the races. Uh, we could have run that same play with any other player on our team, and Hines maybe could have made the first guy miss, but I, I don't see us scoring on, on that play. Even the swing pass he scored on yesterday, um, he, he made a, a very impressive play, in my opinion, to, to make a defender miss. So, you know, things like that, they can, they can really add up. So I, I still think uh, – I'm still very confident we can get to a bowl game just because of the Duke game, but I think games against Syracuse and State, which are going to be probably higher scoring affairs um, – got a lot more challenging. Yeah, and before, before I talk about it, it's, it is comical if Dorch did, in fact, hurt himself on the play on the pylon. He still had two touchdowns after that, and I'm not laughing because obviously it's a serious injury, but we know he's all right now. He scored a 52-yard touchdown where he made a guy literally just, like, completely come out of his jock strap when he fell down. And, uh, I mean, he ran through, I think, four guys on that screenplay. It's not like he was just catching a screen pass and running it two yards in. He outran the entire Louisville team when he had internal injuries. Like, that. that is how good he is and how bad the Louisville defense was on Saturday. Um, but looking at the running backs and maybe who's going to fill in um, should Carney not be able to go? And I think based on what I've seen, Carney's injury, he's been kind of battling it all year. I think it was his right leg, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think Carney will be the bigger question mark here. Um, and, and Bird, after the game, said that he was, he was probably all right. The coaches were just holding him out because he had a slight limp. Um, maybe kind of a combination of let's let Colburn get some runs here. Um, let's be a little careful because the game was pretty much over at that point. Obviously, we were up by a good bit there. Um, but I think Arkane Bird is the biggest question mark is at the running back position now. Um, but you kind of get into the – if he can't go and Carney can't go, as many plays as we're looking to run, obviously on Saturday I'm not sure what we would do if Colburn's the only back. And I, I know Clawson mentioned – I'm not sure if he was joking that Hinton was the guy that was going to come in a running back should um, – should Colburn have gone down for some some reason? Because Isaiah Robinson wasn't dressed, and obviously Christian Beal's redshirt, uh, we would still like to preserve that. But um, if those two guys can't go, it'll be interesting to see if Coach goes sees if Robinson can get into uniform. I don't know if he's injured or just hasn't been dressing um, for a, for a limit or something like that. But if Colburn can't, if Colburn's the only healthy back, I don't want to waste Beal's redshirt. But I'm not sure what we're gonna do if, if it's just this weekend, maybe just let Colburn go 
Maryland will kind of make shift and figure it out because it's going to be a tough game anyway. But if we go into at Syracuse and Colburn's still the only healthy back um, for whatever reason, then, then it's going to be a big question whether or not we, we do burn Christian Beals redshirt or what we do there. Yeah, obviously you don't want, you don't want to burn a redshirt necessarily this late into the season, but if if him playing at this point, you know, based on whatever we find out about Carney's injury, the the duration of it, if if Carney just has to miss maybe an upcoming game or maybe he can play already, um, then I don't think you have to burn. But I, I do think that suggestion of of putting Hinton back there is is very interesting. I I think that could actually potentially. I know it's not the easiest thing in the world to just change positions, um, though he should be able to know the plays theoretically being the quarterback and knowing the assignments of everybody else. But he's a heck of an athlete, and I I think the threat of him being able to throw the ball as well, I think that could give opposing defensive coordinators nightmares. Now, it's not something we've been practicing to have a running back throw the ball all the time, uh, but I, I do think that that could be terrifying in – and limited opportunities and just getting a lot of speed on the, on, on the field and just getting the defense to have to think and be a split second slower. Uh, I think a zone read there could, could, could be very interesting. Um, I, I kind of want to see it happen. Yeah. And and to, to your point, I mean, even if he were to replace some running back, if not, yes, we would have to practice to play where he throws it. The big thing is to make sure the offensive linemen don't get more than two yards down the field. But I mean, if he's back there in the back of their mind, no matter what we, whether we throw it or not, it's going to be, well, hang on a second. What if we, they just toss it out and hit and who is a quarterback and throws a very good deep ball, just goes over our head. So that's just another element that you might kind of have in there. Um, and touching on the Dorch injury, I actually, yes, Greg Dorch is an electric player, and I agree with you that Tavari Hines probably cannot do everything that Greg Dorch can do, but I think Tavari Hines is waiting for an opportunity. He's shown us in the past that he's got a lot of speed. He knows the plays. He's an upperclassman. Um, yes, this injury is going to hurt Wake Forest. It hurts our ceiling, but I believe this provides an excellent opportunity for Tavari Hines um, to, to step right in there. And if Scotty Washington keep playing like he played uh, this weekend, then that is a completely different element to our passing because it spreads the team out. You can't focus on one guy. We saw what it did for Cam Serenia, who had not gotten the ball very much the last two or three weeks. I believe he caught it four or five times this weekend. And, uh, I mean, most of the time he was wide open. So I'm not sure whether some of that was just the Louisville defense or just they had no idea who to defend between Dorch and Washington and our running game. Um, but, but I think Scotty Washington and Tabari Hines are very capable receivers, and, and they can step in. And uh, I think Hines will, will do well for us in, in Dorch's absence. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, Hines has been coming on a little bit, you know, better lately. Two catches for 15 yards uh, this past weekend. And it's it's really tough for him to get opportunities when, when Greg Dorch is out there. I've, I've been a proponent of trying to see if we could get the two of those guys on the field at the same time. Obviously, that's not going to happen. But but the week before, at Georgia Tech, three catches for for 50 yards. Against Utah State, five receptions for 129 yards. So, you know, I think... I think I think this is really interesting and had a had a very strong bowl game against Temple. I believe led us led the team in receptions and reception yards last year. Granted, the numbers were a little bit lower, but uh, I think Hines. This is a a position where we have some depth. And I thought we did some very interesting screen passes against Louisville, where you had three or four block three or four blockers on the perimeter. Um, 
and did some interesting pulls with the guards and the tackles to, to go along with that. So I'd, I'd be curious to, you know, keep Hines in, in some of those situations. And I, I think he can do a good job for us. He's, he's not going to be as explosive as Dorch, but he can still be pretty explosive and, and he can generate some, some nice plays for us and, and get us a lot of yards after catch, I believe. Yeah, I think at this point, you, if you're the staff, you just have to plug Tavari Hines in there. Maybe not rely as heavily on Hines as you would Dorch, but he obviously knows all the plays. On this year, he has 23 targets for 18 catches. And if we're looking at some of the advanced stats, obviously he's been backing up Dorch. Um, the yards per catch, Hines is at 13.9. Dorch is at 13.6. Yards per target, 10.9 for Hines, 9.9 for Dorch. Hines has a 78% catch rate. Dorch had a 73% catch rate, and the success rate with Hines is at 65% compared to 58% for Dorch, which means when we target Hines and he makes a play, uh, we're more likely to stay on uh, on schedule than we are even when Dorch gets the ball. Now, some of that is because we have targeted Dorch on longer passes where Hines probably tends to get more um, short to, to moderate passes. But I, I think if you look at these numbers, they're definitely there. And I, I agree with you, he's not as explosive as Dorch. He's not going to make as many people miss with his top-end speed and a Elizabeth, but but he's very quick. He led us in receiving last year, and he's been a guy who stepped up and he knows the plays as an upperclassman. So I, I think there will be a slide drop off, but I think the coaches need to move forward as if Hines is Greg Dorch, and uh, until Hines shows that he can't do it, because uh, obviously the game plans work very well uh, with with that mentality. Yep, definitely agree. Yep, so I think that wraps up the Louisville and kind of the injuries there. Uh, we are obviously in agreement that we don't want to burn Christian Beal's redshirt, and I think that's a pretty last-ditch effort there. I believe Bird's fine as long as he – it looked like he was getting examined for a head injury. I did see that as well. Um, so hopefully he's, he's fine. He spoke with the media a little bit after the game. Um, but before we leave, one other question. What does this win mean for the program overall? I, I know the name Louisville is obviously a, a big name, um, but this year they're having a down year. Do, do you think this is a, a statement win for Wake Forest just to kind of wrap up the pass with Wakey Leaks, or do you think this is just, uh, hey, we were better than they are. We need this just like last week. Uh, let's win, move on, and uh, just go face Notre Dame. You know, I think I think it does have a little bit more significance than, than just the, the Wakey Leaks. I think, you know, I, w- I would say biggest win of, of Clawson's tenure here at Wake Forest, and – Yes, you you beat a defendant, a defending Heisman Trophy winner who still had an unbelievable season this year. Yes, Louisville's lost to to Boston College, but they did just go down and and beat Florida State. Um, and we'll I'll be curious to see how they how they play out the rest of the year. So and you did so not by making it ugly, but by playing an exciting brand of football. And I think this win greatly increased our chances of going back to a second consecutive and hopefully second of many consecutive bowl appearances for the Demon Deacons. So I think, you know, this is another step in being able to show recruits a lot of progress. Last year we sort of beat the teams we were supposed to. And, yes, we were on S&P Plus favored yesterday, or on Saturday rather, and only two-and-a-half, three-point underdogs. But I think that's another sign to say, yeah, we were we, we beat a legitimately good team. And, um, you know, I, I do think it's, it's got a lot more cachet with recruits than just saying, yeah, we beat Boston College, even though they're a very good team this year. Uh, I think recruits don't necessarily know that, and they would much rather see that, that you beat, did beat Louisville in an exciting game. I think this can give us even more momentum and confidence 
um, going in going into next year to see that not only can Wake win, but they can win in an exciting and um, fun brand of football. Yeah, and I think there's two ways to look at it. There's the way to look at it of just the, what does this mean for momentum for the program? What does this mean for beating the big-name program like Louisville, the defending Heisman Trophy winner, wrapping up the Waking Leaks, the whole Matt Colburn thing, the did Dave Clawson call Lamar Jackson out, can't be a good pro. Um, it, it wraps up all the you know kind of things that – look good, the sexy things. They're like, oh, can Wake Forest do this? But at the end of the day, Wake Forest was the better team on Saturday. Um, we were the better team than Florida State three weeks ago, and we didn't get the win four weeks ago, and we didn't get the win. But we, we finally got over the hump. We clearly looked like the better team, in my opinion. Obviously, Lamar Jackson, the theory, very talented. But we took care of business on our home field. Um, we won, I believe, our second game in the Atlantic after defeating Boston College in Chestnut Hill um, to, to kind of start off the year. They've looked very, very good recently. Uh, we've got a win at App State. And, you know, those, those are the wins that don't necessarily stick out to people. They're like, oh, it's at App State. Those are statistically good wins. I mean, at App State is probably a better win than Louisville beating Louisville in Winston-Salem. Like, people don't really want to hear that because Louisville's a conference team. It means more they're the high for the winner. But just within the nutshell and vacuum of this year, uh, we took care of business. We were supposed to win, and we won the game. So it's time to move on and go play a top-five team on the road. Um, I, overall, I think it means a lot more than, than just that, and that's kind of where um, perception becomes your reality. And I wanted to win that game on Saturday more than any game in a long time. I think it's quite clear if you follow my Twitter feed and um, my past that I do not have any um, – respect whatsoever for Louisville as a school, as an athletic endeavor, as anything at all. I think they are everything wrong with college athletics, and I'm glad that Wake Forest was able to beat them by winning the right way. Um, so I'm happy that that happened. But if you're just looking at it from a pure football standpoint, we took care of business, we beat a team that we are better than, and we beat them like we should have. So um, I'm not trying to hedge there, but I think that, um, yes, it's a big win for the program, but in the context of this year, it just means that we're one game close to getting to a bowl game. That's all that really matters right now. Um, but from here, we will now move on to Notre Dame, and uh, <laughs> this is quite the test. They are ranked ninth overall in S&P Plus. Uh, we are ranked 24th, I believe, Rob, whenever that to begin. Um, Notre Dame is very balanced. They are 17th on offense, 18th on defense, 77th on special team. Um while that is a stat for special teams, I don't think that is as well, um, I guess, documented as the other two. So I wouldn't take that as heavily as I would, you know, if they were 77th on defense per se. But they have the best rushing out in the country behind a Josh Adams, who we have seen run 98 yards against us at the freshman a couple of years ago. Um, and they also have a, a quarterback who can – put the ball on the ground as well on Brandon Wimbush. Uh, Rob, have you had the chance to see uh, Notre Dame play very much this year? I know we watched a little bit against NC State. What are your overall um, just opening thoughts on Notre Dame as a team, and what really sticks out to you <laughs> that we have to go up against on Saturday in South Bend? Yeah, we're, we're going up against a mountain of a team for sure, and I think they've been absolutely dominant all, all year, only lost a – uh, a one-point home loss to a Georgia team who has been playing as as well as anybody else might be the number one team in, in the college football playoff rankings when they come out tomorrow evening. But um, you, you know they've they've just really decimated teams. They people were talking on oh, maybe the USC game will be big. They beat them 49 to 14. People were talking, okay, NC State's going to go in there. NC State could could win the Atlantic. They've knocked off 
you know, some, some of these good teams in the ACC. They beat them 35-14 to 14 and absolutely demolished them in the second half. And, look, people make all these jokes, uh, SB Nation in particular, about Notre Dame being 4-8. And, and I don't know how many times I've seen that. I, I feel like I saw that more times over the offseason than, um, you know, than I breathed. But they uh, – you know, they were a top 25 team in, in S&P Plus. They just were, were really unlucky, unfortunately. And the addition of defensive coordinator Mike Elko has made them an unbelievably balanced team, top 20 in offense and defense. And, and that's a scary proposition when you combine it with, with the elite recruiting that they have. So one thing I absolutely worry about, a, a very mobile quarterback in, in Brandon Wimbush already has 11 rushing touchdowns on the year, 7.7 yards per carry. Um to go along with Josh Adams, as you've mentioned. So I, I, you know, I really worry about um, them just being able to, to wear down somewhat similar to the Georgia tech game, really only with better, better offensive and, and defensive players in the sense of just wearing us down with the run game, methodically scoring the ball. And then, you know, on the flip side, if we're going to go fast offensively and we have a few of those three and outs, or we, we don't score, uh, then they can get the ball back control, possession and and continue to wear us down not only that we're playing in their place so we, we we face an unbelievable challenge on saturday afternoon yeah to touch a little bit on last year you, you're absolutely right notre dame finished 26 in the smp and they had second order wins they're we're supposed to get 7.2 wins based on win expectancy um and, and they played eight games last year that were one possession or less and they lost seven of them they were one and seven in those eight one possession games where even if you just go you know, 50%. And we talk about this a lot. Good teams win close games. Great team win a lot of games, and they win them by a lot. Because if you're a one-possession game, you, anything can happen where you lose. And in a small sample size of eight games, that, you know, that one and seven, those kind of stretches occur where if they just come four and four, you're, you're, it's not great for Notre Dame standards, but that's a what, that's a seven and five record. They make a bowl game, maybe an eight and five season. So, yeah, it, it's fun to laugh because Notre Dame, obviously, is – you know, the fighting Irish, but uh, they're, they're still a very good team and they've only gotten better this year. And unfortunately there's the added element that uh, Mike Elko was there and he knows our defense inside out. He'll know where to attack it. He knows the strengths and weaknesses of our defensive players. Um, but yeah, I think this is the type of game where they just feed the ball to Josh Adams uh, over and over again. And eventually wears down and quarterback has run 11. Let me see here. He has 11 touchdowns, I should say, almost 600 yards on the year, averaging 7.7 yards a carry. The opportunity rate that this offensive line puts up is very good as well, um, 32nd in the country. And every, beyond that, pretty much everything else in their run game is top top 30. Um, it's a very successful offensive line, and the guys behind it really make the plays uh, that, that make an offense very difficult to stop. And it's not a triple option offense, obviously, but they wear you down like that, where you just have to keep playing disciplined football. And if you lapse for one play, if you miss an assignment, then they're going to run right by you and you're going to be looking at the back of their jersey if they run to the end zone. Um, If there's one area that Wake Forest can attack and you would say we have a chance to maybe exploit something to to get up early or to, um, you know, have an advantage, what, what would you say it would be? I think if we're going to be successful, I think we're going to need to stack the box. And I don't necessarily say that in terms of stopping the run. I say that in terms of almost daring them to pass. Uh, Wimbush, you know, very good overall quarterback, but just a 52% completion rate uh, and just 5.2 yards per attempt. So if you have, you know, that few yards per attempt, 
combined with a, a very low completion rate, that's that, that's really not getting the job done. Now, I know he, he obviously does more than that with his running, but if you can dare him to throw, it's, it's quite possible he beats us um, by doing so. But they're, they're 55th in passing S&P+, plus, which that's above average nationally, but uh, it's a heck of a lot worse than second where they're rushing is. So I think if we can dare him to throw and then hope, hopefully our safeties like a Jesse Bates and a Cameron Glenn – uh, can be ball hawks, and hopefully we can generate some interceptions. I think, and you know, flip field position pretty significantly with some interception returns uh, deep into the Irish territory. I, th- I think that's going to be uh, our our best chance of success there. Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, kind of the way it breaks down, our passing defense is much much better than well, not much much better. It's better than our rushing defense. Um, so we, we've done very well. It, it, a good way to think of Wake Forest this year is, if in doubt, and just boiling it down, if we're on offense, you would rather see us pass because we are ranked second in passing S&P. Um, if we're on defense, you want to see the other team throw because we are 18th in defending the pass. Um, the rushing is unfortunately not as good. On offense, we are one-tenth nationally, and on defense, we're still pretty good, 45th, but kind of a flip in the inverse of Notre Dame. Uh, if that is the case and you have the option, we would rather the other team throw because when they step back and throw the ball, I, I like our odds to stop it most of the time. Um, but this game is going to be very tough, and the line opened at right around two touchdowns. It'll be interesting to keep an eye on that um, as we see injuries come out. Uh, I know Jesse Bates was nursing a knee injury. He's from Indiana. He's going to do anything he can to get out there and play uh, at Notre Dame because I'm sure he wants to get there and play and this would be his only option uh, in his four years here or maybe three depending on how good he is Um, but you know he came up big in the game at Indiana last year and so maybe this will be a case where he likes playing at home he uh, rises to the occasion even more so than usual because he stuck out very much on the the tape against Louisville as well the first couple of drives he and Duke Adjafor were literally in on every single play it was 53 and 3 on every single play Um, so it's good to see. Hopefully he'll be, he'll be ready to go. Um, what, what's your overall prediction for the game, Rob? Do you think we can hang around and keep it close, or do you think it's just kind of going to be one of those games like we've seen against Clemson and Florida State in the years past where they get up a little early and so we're constantly behind, and even though we lose by only a couple of touchdowns, we just didn't have much of a chance? I think it'll be uh, somewhat similar to the Clemson game with a slight caveat being that, that Clemson scored on some pretty explosive plays. Uh, I think they might get up on us early, though I think they'll be a, a little bit more methodical in some of their drives and just be more more rushing-based than, than beating us over the top. But I I expect to go in there and compete. I thought we, we competed really hard uh, the last time we, we played at Notre Dame despite not having a very, a very talented, very talented or experienced team and, and Notre Dame still being one of the one of the better teams in the country. So I, I think we'll go up there and, um, you know, I think, I don't think we're going to back down. And, look, we have a better chance to win this one than, than the Clemson game. Notre Dame recruits well, but they have not been re- recruiting as well um, as Clemson has. I don't think they have the athletes on the on the, on the the defensive line that they do. So we, we certainly have a shot, um, though our their biggest strength, I would say, is, is their pass defense. And, and, you know, you're going to have the number two pass offense and, and – terms of S&P plus going against the number three pass defense in terms of S&P plus. So that's a, a huge battle to win. And 
you know, had we had Dorch, I'd, I'd give us more of a chance just because of if we're going to beat them, I think it's going to require huge plays offensively, just, just making a guy miss and not near necessarily as many methodical drives. But I get, I guess one thing to point out, you know, obviously Elko knows us, but we know Elko as well. Uh, so I think yep. that that can sort that can sort of work work both ways, and and maybe we have some interesting counters to what we anticipate he likes to do defensively. Uh, so a, a lot of game theory going on there, and I wish I knew enough X's and O's of, of football to to realize exactly what's going on. But you know, I'm ex- I'm excited to watch the game. I think it's a low pressure game for fans, uh, but I'm, I'm curious to see how we come out. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. And uh, given this past weekend and how much we, I don't know whether we opened up the book more, it, it was just successful. So we were able to get momentum and uh, enthusiasm about what we were doing and kind of gain confidence. The game went on, but the combination of needing to change some things up from what Elko knows against our offense and how we know how to attack his defense. And also um, the, the success we had this past weekend, I think maybe we could finally got some confidence. We're going to open up the playbook a little bit. We're going to go ahead and take some shots downfield. I hope Scotty Washington feels confident. Colburn feels confident. Serenade feels good. And, and Hines, I know he's ready to step up and make some make some plays. He's he's been uh, kind of chomping at the bit a bit. I know I've seen a few a few comments on uh, social media where uh, you, you read between the lines a little bit and you, you think, yeah, this guy wants to get in there. He's ready to go. Um, so this is a chance, and and I think he we got some guys that are going to take take the bull by the horn. Now, I don't know if that's going to be enough to win this weekend, but I, I think the the confidence is a big fo- part of football, and uh, we've got a, a good shot moving forward to get to that sixth win and uh, hopefully get to seven wins and get that second bowl game. That, that, that's what you're looking for. So um, I don't know if we're going to win, but I think we're going to give it a hell of a shot, and we'll, we'll see come 3.30 on national television, which is uh, – another good chance for us to shine and get some recruits to, to watch our game, which is the, the biggest thing you want to play on that stage. Um, but overall, I think football is uh, shaping up to be a little bit better. I project us to go five and seven this year. So worst case, we tie what I believe. But if you look at the percentages, Wake Forest has it, the following chances. We have a 7% to lose out. We have a 28% chance to go one and three a 39% chance to go two and two and a a 22% chance to end up with four losses. So um, obviously the odds look like we will um, make a bowl 92.7% according to S and P, but until we, the clock runs out and we get that sixth win, I never feel confident as a Wake Forest fan. Um, So we will certainly see, but let's, uh, let's talk about some basketball, Rob. We have the first game on Friday night, and while it is an exhibition game, this is not a standard exhibition game. Um, talk a little bit about what you know about Queen's University of Charlotte, who is our opponent on Friday night at 730. Yeah, so I used a little website called Google.com to try and find a little bit more about them. Turns out they're in Charlotte. Wasn't sure if they were in New York, wherever they were, but they're actually a very, a very impressive team. Went 30-4 and four last season, made it to the Sweet 16, I believe, of the uh, division Division Two NCAA tournament returned four starters and preseason number two in all of you know Division Two's preseason polls. So you know this isn't just a game where we play them and we expect to win by seventy plus points. Uh, though hopefully that's what happens because that would say a heck of a lot about our team. But I, I think we're going to be tested. They have some their their guard Jalen Alexander, preseason All American, returned four starters. Uh, a few players in the six eight six nine range, so no seven footers like 
the Doral Moors of the world, but still some some height to contest. Not everybody's just going to be six six, and you can shoot over top of them. So uh, I'm, you know, dangerously <laughs> excited about this game. Yeah, it's interesting. They played VCU in an exhibition game last year in Richmond and beat uh, VCU 75-73, to and their team this year should be better than it was last year. For reference, uh, Ken Pomeroy had VCU last year when they came into that game 33rd in the country, with Farsa's 57th entering uh, this year. Those are the preseason ratings, so obviously there's a little bit of uh, educated guesswork that goes into that, but um, this isn't going to be a game where Wake Forest wins by 30 points, but, or if it is, then we should feel really damn good about what, what we've got going on. Um, Queens, is a, Queens is a very good school, as dumb as that sounds, when it comes to Division II basketball, and there's a lot of good good basketball played on that level, and I think Danny Manning knew exactly what he was doing when he um, got this in there, and it kind of buys into the notion that I've felt all along while we're not playing as many top tier teams as we did last year in the non-conference schedule we are playing a lot of 100 to 200 ranked teams in the country and i would say queen's college will prepare us very well for the season opener against georgia southern um, next friday night in winston-salem and georgia southern is ranked 104th in ken palm or 105th in ken palm so uh that's going to be a tougher game than most people think and just because the name georgia southern is there does not mean they um, are not capable of beating us in basketball um rob what are you looking forward to seeing on friday night uh from wake forest itself obviously we're going to have the height advantage um it, does that mean you're going to be look for more to be a, a playmaker are you looking for what brown can do at the three or kind of line up to the whole or uh yes riley i'm looking for all those things yeah, I would say I'm looking for basketball to to answer your question, but I am I, I am very intrigued by by Doral Moore. I know that's the first thing you brought up, and at at ACC Media Days last week, Keyshawn Woods had a very interesting comment where he said Doral Moore had made the biggest improvement over one off season of any player he's ever been around. And again, keep in mind he was around John Collins. At least I'm assuming he was around John Collins last summer when he made the leap from playing you know, 10, 15 minutes a game to playing, you know, turning into a first-round draft pick and now doing some very solid things with the with the Atlanta Hawks and leading the country in, in PER. So depends on what his baseline is for Doral Moore. But, you know, I heard Doral Moore had 13 and 10 in that secret scrimmage against Maryland, and I think that's a very positive sign. So I'm definitely curious to see what Moore does, especially against guys who are smaller. Obviously very excited about Sean D. Brown. And, and what he can do, I'm I'm very high on him. Perhaps um, have a have a bit of a man crush on Sean D. Brown's basketball game. So very excited to see what he can do, and also bring with his size, uh, d- you know, defensively as as well as offensively. And yeah, re- really the new guy Saar. Looking forward to seeing him run. Uh, what 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 can Eggleston bring to the table this year? And then some guys like Donovan Mitchell, who who did not play much last year, but what what do we see out of him out of him this year? So I, I'm. I'm definitely excited and, um, you know, looking forward to writing that report up on, on Saturday morning to, to share my impressions about the game. What, what, what are you hoping to see out of the team, Riley? I know, unfortunately, you can't watch the game, but what are you hoping uh, to read me write about on, on Saturday? Yes, yeah, a little unfortunate, and I will listen to it. Um, I don't believe Wake Forest will be carrying this game um, online or anything like that. So I will look forward to your um, assessment, and I will follow along on social media and people that can make the game. But uh, I think it's kind of the same thing, and I ask leading questions for a reason because those were the things I was looking at. Uh, 
think the big questions looking going into the season are obviously what are we getting out of Sean D. Brown, the top uh, 35 player, um, the freshman? What are we getting at the four out of Terrence Thompson? And what are we getting out of the five out of Darrell Moore? We know what we're getting in our backcourt. Um, Mitchell Wilbekin, Brandon Childress, Keyshawn Woods, and Brian Crawford. Yes, they will be a year older. They'll be a little bit better, but we know what they bring to the table. So now we need to find guys that can supplement them. And if Darrell Moore can step in and uh, – I think he had 13 points and 10 rebounds, um, as you stated. Maryland, I don't know if they have any um, great big guys, but it looked like, based on the Testudo Times, our uh, brother site over at Maryland, that Maryland won the rebounding battle 49-47, to um, which, if you look over at Ken Palm here, um, they were a fairly good rebounding team last year. Um, offensively, but not very good defensively. So that gives a lot of questions for me. Um, if Moore is going to be the guy that can grab some rebounds, and if not, then where do we go from there? Can SJM step up? Can Olivier Saar give us a lot of time where we go small and kind of spread everything out? Um, and there, there are a lot of questions lineup-wise as to what we're going to do, and we've got a lot of time to figure it out in the um, – out of conference schedule before we dive into the ACC, um, but but I think overall I'm I'm just ready for basketball. It's good going to be ha- good to have something to actually um, sink our teeth into and analyze instead of saying, hey, what can Terrence Thompson do? What can Doral Moore do? Um, so overall, I'm just excited about basketball starting again. Um, and we're getting to that crazy time of the year where we will be covering basketball and football. So um, if you want to. Look forward to any of your needs for Wake Forest. Always go to Blogger Secure because we will have uh, you covered at every angle that we can possibly think of, um, including some of the non-revenue sports. As our soccer team heads into the ACC tournament, uh, they got a bye in the first round, and then they will host the quarterfinals and the semifinals before they play the finals at, very nice for me, Charleston, South Carolina, if we are to make it. Um, so we will – keep you up to date on that rob do you have anything uh anything else relating to basketball or football that you want to touch on before we wrap up here uh no not not anything in particular just very excited for the basketball season to get going and and very excited to see some of the lineup combinations that that we throw out and um you know again very excited for the for the rest of the football season i thought We've we've come up short so many times in some of these quote unquote big games and, and the swing games, and we looked at the middle part of the schedule. Said hopefully we can win one of these middle five games, and um, you know here we were with with that with that big win over Louisville. I think it's going to give us a lot of confidence, and I think um, you know we, we we have a top twenty five team, uh, not according to the to the coaches or, or to the media, but according to. I hate to say what matters, but what matters, the stats. So uh, I'm definitely very excited yep. about, you know, the the future of the, the football program and continuing to watch the team this year. And I, I think it's going to be really exciting watching those programs uh, play in November along with, uh, along with our soccer program to see where they can go. Is this the year they can, they can win the cup for the first time in, in a decade uh, would, would be yeah. a, a heck of a year. Yeah, it's, uh, and it's exciting time to be a Wake Forest fan, and uh, kudos to Ron Wellman for these uh, these hires from, from Bobby Muse to Danny Manning to Dave Clawson. We uh, hit a lull in the early part of the decade, and obviously we were very vocal about that, and as that's what we do as a fan-run blog, uh, but I thought rightfully so we were um, vocal about that. 
uh, and I am more than willing to give credit where credit's due. And these hires that he's had in the past few years are have really been just knocked out of the park. And, uh, and I'm excited to see if we can hold on to Dave Claus and hold on to uh, Danny Manning. I don't think Muse is going anywhere. Um, but, you know, it's an exciting time to be a Wake Forest fan. And uh, just kudos to the athletic department for that. And I think a big part of that, and we don't talk a lot about this, is the fundraising efforts that were made um, five years ago, the Wake Will campaign, all the money that comes in and the athletics and even the, the new buildings going up on campus that aren't necessarily athletic-related, uh, those are big recruiting pools, and uh, you kind of reap the uh, benefits for that a few years after um, you put the money in initially. Uh, but So I think it's finally coming in, and we've got some places that people want to play, the new scoreboard uh, at, at both facilities, uh, football and basketball, and soccer as well. Uh, that's a fantastic recruiting tool, and I think we're headed in the right direction, and I look forward to uh, continuing to write about it for uh, a long time coming. Yeah, definitely a, a phenomenal time to be a Wake Forest fan. Great great fundraising efforts going there, and I think the part about Wake Will is interesting. I know uh, in hearing Bobby Muse talk in, in August, he mentioned that the Wake Will campaign has been fantastic in terms of um, being able to give them more financial aid that they can offer some of their some of their students, especially because it's not necessarily a um, full scholarship sport where everybody every every player on the team is is able to have uh, a, a scholarship. There are a lot of partial scholarships giving out, so uh, the financial aid aspect certainly helps. And uh, obviously, you combine our our program's history with uh, the player development that we have under Muse and the coaching and. Um, you know, some of that financial support and, and you have a, an unbelievable program that's now won the ACC Atlantic three years in a row, including, um, you know, co- college cup, college cup trip last year and an ACC title um, in, in the, in the tournament. And hopefully we do the same again this year, um, except, except finish the deal this time. So great time to be a Wake Forest fan. Absolutely. And uh, as always, we appreciate everybody listening and uh, we look forward to hearing your questions and uh, seeing the comments on bloggers so dear. Uh, but as always, we are proud to be a Deke and go Deeks. Go Deeks. <laughs>